Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Hell yes. Kyle Brandt's Basement, Sunday night edition, NFL Week 6 edition. Also the Kyle Brandt just traveled back from Memphis, Tennessee by way of Oxford, Mississippi and my brother's bachelor party weekend. And I haven't had a glass of water in four days edition. I am dehydrated. I am worn out. I got a bedhead. I've been traveling. I've been watching football on my phone at the crappy Tex-Mex cantina in the airport. Everywhere I could possibly go. I'm going to empty the tank for you guys tonight because we all kinds of things to talk about. Let's just hit it right now. Let's go Buffalo. Uh, you see the shirt? I got our guy, the every week guest on the uh, the uh, Kyle Brandt Basement Program. That is Josh Allen, who just beat the Kansas City Chiefs in a glorious, glorious game. The second the second half was great. First half, defensive, sloppy, weird. But we'll get to the Bills in a second. You know what we do here on Sunday nights, or if you're listening Monday morning or watching Sunday night, whatever it is, love you. Thank you for joining us. We do a podium first. Third place, second place, first place, and then we'll talk about who lost the day, and we'll give out some awards. Are you ready? Let's get into it. I missed Third place on the podium after week six, a regular on the Kyle Brandt's basement podium. At what point are the wheels going to come off of the New York Giants? Guys, because it's it's not happening. It's mid-October now. My kids got their Halloween costumes. We got the decorations put up. There's candy corn in my house. There's those candy corn pumpkins, which you're a fiend who likes candy corn. It's kind of more bang for your buck. And the Giants just keep winning. They keep doing it. In this fundamentally sound, unimpressive, but sort of effective way that they do it every single week. They're five and one. Five and one! The Giants! It's so stupid and so ridiculous and so unpredictable. No one had this. And they did it again, and they're they come from behind. They're sort of like, I guess this is the week they lose. But no. We got a pretty good Daniel Jones game, too. Two touchdowns. And actually throwing touchdowns. Not even running. Not even receiving, which we've also seen him catch passes. He threw for two touchdowns. Saquon didn't give us the 70-yard touchdown, but he gave us the even more beautiful, the beautiful selfless fantasy slide before the end zone. They're well coached. Who cares? Remember early in the season, Nick Chubb did it, and he scored. Browns ended up losing. We've seen a lot of guys do that. Brian Westbrook put it on the map. Todd Gurley did it once or twice, and then Saquon did it today. And it is annoying as a fantasy owner, but who cares? I hate any time does that play, and everyone's first thoughts are with the fantasy owners. T's and P's for the fantasy owners. Who cares? 5-1 and one New York Giants do it again. And you know what I do think is kind of a contrarian Giants take I have, though? Where everyone's saying, oh, Brian Dayball's the coach of the year. It's done. Just give it to him. It's over. It's over. It's not over. Slow down. Brian Dayball's awesome. And he is this living, breathing proof of, like, God, it's hard to hire the right coach. But when you do it, it just immediately your world changes. Dable's starting to remind me of McVeigh with the Rams, taking over from the Jeff Fisher regime, and all of a sudden, they're like, wow, the Rams just work. And they're doing it in a different way, because the McVeigh thing, it was offense and Gurley and everything. I've already said Todd Gurley twice on this show. Can you imagine that? Uh, but he's changing everything. And yet, I don't know why we give out awards like in week five, week six. You know how many other people can win coach of the year? You don't think Robert Sala can do it? We're going to get to his team in a second. Kevin O'Connell, no one speaks his name. The Vikings are 5-1. They were crap last year. Arthur Smith lovers out there? The Falcons are good. They're really good. And they got robbed last week against the Buccaneers. And they just bounced right back and beat like a 
very respected Niners team. And I'll just say it. I mean, if they win, if they beat the Eagles, I'm recording this as the Eagles game is starting. The cup is Mike McCarthy in the ring. Not on my vote, but like, come on, guy loses his quarterback, never loses another game. Anyway, Dayball's amazing. He's in it, and everybody's up about him. So am I. But let's just there's a lot of coaches doing some really good things. Let's get to the other one I mentioned. Second place in the Kyle Brandt's basement podium. Another regular member. A guy who brings up his kettlebells up there so we can swing them around and stay swole. Mr. Robert Sala. Mr. Robert Sala, the head coach of the New York Jets. The Jets won again, guys. This was an awesome thing because I'll say the same thing I said about the Giants. Fun run, cool deal in September and October, but now it's big boy football time. You guys are the Jets. Remember, you're the Jets. It was a cool thing. We, we remembered it at the beginning of the year, and we'll look back on this season. Eh, they started some good things. But then they went to Lambeau and just Rodgers woke up and threw for six touchdowns and the Jets were back to the shallow end. It wasn't like that at all. The Jets were faster, fresher. Uh, they were more fun. They were more innovative offensively. They were way better defensively. Quinn and Williams looks like he's defensive player of the year. And the whole thing about, well, you know, Rodgers, you know, he just doesn't have help. Sure, but also he was banged up and he was all ornery and his thumb hurts. And you want some nuggets? I got nuggets. Check this out. Here's some nuggets. Um, the Packers have scored 107 points in six games this season. That is their fewest in any six-game span with Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback in his entire career. We'll get some more on them. Here's a Jets nugget. This is from Rich Simony. The Jets are the second team in the Super Bowl era to have a winning record through six games despite being an underdog in all six of those games. In other words, every single game, the Jets are not favored, and they have a winning record. Only the second team since the Super Bowl started. First team, you might want to know, the 2001 Cleveland Browns, which that's like a Tim Couch team, and like that's a strange team, but they were the other one, too. So the Jets are doing crazy things. Zach Wilson just makes a couple plays. He's not like becoming Patrick Mahomes right in front of us. But he looks pretty good, and the, the rookie running back looks awesome, and Quinn and Williams looks awesome. All their young players got to be so validating for Jets fans. They're like, who knows what's going to happen this season? Maybe it'll keep surging, maybe it won't. But the future is bright. The Jets have young, cool, electric players who, when you turn on a Jets game right now, like they have players that pop. You're like, oh, damn, that guy's got some burst. I feel like I haven't said that in so long. Because it's not these older guys, you know, even the Rex Ryan teams, like who were their bread and butter? Sanchez was kind of doing his thing, sort of, but like Thomas Jones was running the ball and Braylon Edwards would make big catches. Like those aren't tried and true Jets. Those are guys from old teams. We're getting a little older. You got guys out there in the Jets right now who are like, this is our homegrown dude. We handpicked these. Our current GM even is picking these guys. It's kind of exciting. It really is. And they keep winning and they just smacked around the Packers. And we'll get to the Packers in a second too. But you know who first place on that podium is. I got him right here on this shirt. He might look like uh, Bane from The Dark Knight Rises, but he is the current front runner for the 2022 NFL MVP. And his name is Joshua Patrick Allen, number one. Um, I think it was right around the time that he was cascading beautifully through the Missouri night over a tackle on that run right on the game-winning drive that it's like, oh, well, this crap isn't happening again. Because believe me, and by crap, I mean the Bills blowing it to the Chiefs. You thought, and I thought, that crap was happening again. It was insufferable to end the first half if you're excited about the Bills because they did the whole 12-second thing and 12 seconds is new 13 seconds and that bleep, bleep and Harrison Butker 
just was money and just drilled like the longest field goal in Chiefs history. Here we go again. Sloppy first half and everyone's hyping Sark, Steve Sarkeesian with his defensive game plan and they're just bottling up Allen and he can't get it going. And then second half it was that Gabe Davis touchdown, just beautiful. Again, just like a bolt through the night and you're like, okay, here we go. Let's go. And then there was these weird fourth and goal issues and short yardage issues where we're doing the motor thing. And you're like, just let Josh fall forward and hulk out and move five people, which eventually they did. Just an awesome, awesome game. It was, it was, this, the first half was weird and tight and tense and sloppy. And both quarterbacks started with a turnover, which was strange. But then the second half was like, everyone is like, just like watching a movie. It's Bill's Chiefs. You're not, you're not really watching a, a football game. It's more of a movie. And then the Bill's ended up winning in just the most amazing, I'm Dawson Knox with the game-winning touchdown. I have said this on this show. I have said this to Josh Allen's face. Dawson Knox is my favorite Buffalo Bill. I love the guy. I actually was just at his alma mater over the weekend, the hottie toddy, but he's just this Southern boy who like runs the hell out of it and makes the most of his talent, and he makes a great catch on the game-winning touchdown pass. And then you're like, all right, well, this is how that game goes. The second the Bills do anything at the end of the game, you immediately, even if you're a massive Bills fan, you don't celebrate. You immediately just look at the clock. How much time is left? How much time is left? And unless there's zero, it could be one second left. And you're like, Mahomes will take the kick return back for a touchdown. He'll do something. Harrison Butker will take the kick return back for a touchdown. There's too much scar tissue. But they didn't. They made a huge play, and Vaughn was awesome, and they got an intercept from the rookie. I mean, it was great. And then it was a wrap. That's it. Done. Um, I will say this. And I have a feeling when we talk to Josh on Tuesday, it will be a similar message. This was no, like, Chiefs Dragon Slade. This was not, we're set, we're planning a parade tomorrow. It was a really good regular season win. Great regular season win. Chiefs fans are like, yeah, good job. You got us last year in the same regular season, in the same stadium, and then we know what happened in the playoffs. But I also think the more times you could beat them, they've now stacked wins against the Chiefs. And now the Von Miller thing is real, man. They got to make sure Von stays healthy. He is so good. Von this year, especially at times, I think in the game today and then the game against the Rams in the opener, it looked like he was a 23-year-old first or second year guy with Denver. Like, unstoppable. So good. I don't know if they were getting that out of Von, but I guess Billy Bean did. Yeah, Brandon Bean. I mean, um, so good. So good. Billy Bean probably knew too. But the, the Bills, number one. Just give it to him one more time. Let's go, uh, number one. I mean, week six pedestal podium, and you know damn well that Josh Allen will be joining us Tuesday. If you got something you think we should ask him, I mean, we could probably spend Josh's entire appearance just breaking down every single second of the leap, the jump, the landing, the takeoff. I want to know when, like, when do you know you're going to jump over someone? Uh, Is it the second you see the tackler in your way, when you see them... Is there a quick thing that flashes through your head about, no, that guy's too big or no one's too big and I'm Josh Allen? When you're mid-air, are you focusing on landing it? Like, where is your head? Is there a moment as you're jumping, you're like, oh my God, I'm totally jumping over it, dude. Or does it happen too fast? I just don't know. Uh, I played running back at a very modest level back in the day, but I wasn't jumping over guys. No one was really doing that back then. Not not in the open field. Um, Josh does it all the time. We'll talk about it on Tuesday. They are number one. On the Cal Brand Space on Week 6 podium, uh, we have to get to who lost the day, though. The Packers. The Packers come all the way back from London. Um, they get the Jets, and they lose to the Jets in, uh, I think, I think I saw it, it was the biggest ass-whooping at home of the entire Aaron Rodgers era of a game that he started and finished. It was, yeah, the seven, the, this is from NFL and CBS. The Jets' 17-point win over Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau matches the matches. 
the largest victory by any opponent there in a game where Rodgers played the entire contest. So he didn't leave in the fourth quarter. He played the whole game. It wasn't a week 17, 18 thing. doesn't matter. That's This is going back, what, 17 years now or something like that with Rodgers? That's the worst they've ever had. And if you that was going to come, you'd think maybe the Bucks come in there or some McVay Rams team or some crazy team in the AFC. I guess it was a crazy team in the AFC. It was the Jets with a second-year coach and a second-year quarterback. You would never have picked that. They just don't have it right now. It's like... They're so out of sync, and it's not just a matter of, well, they missed Devontae. Of course they missed Devontae. They just have no one to go to. And I don't know why Aaron Jones doesn't get the ball, but he doesn't. I cannot believe the Packers would ever be the team that lost the day. Three and three. And, like, remember the season? Remember the last season when Mike McCarthy was there? And the one that got him fired? They lost at home, that Packers team, with Rodgers. Healthy. They lost at home to the Arizona Cardinals, who had Josh Rosen as their quarterback. You can look it up. Josh Rosen, as a rookie, went to Lambeau and beat the Packers that year. I'm just, LaFleur's not going anywhere. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying sometimes there's the crappy transitional year, even with a quarterback as good as Rodgers. But it is weird to see a quarterback back-to-back MVPs and the team's falling off this badly. Rodgers has said this week, he said, maybe this is one of these times that's coming and we're going to hit our stride like we usually do. We usually have a way of, in the middle of the season, getting hot. It wasn't this time. Damn, and there's more to talk about, too, because Sauce put a cheese head on, and that's a great sentence that I just said, and this is America, and it is Sunday night. So let's get into award time. Let's go. The beautiful theme music. That is our producer, Sam Pepper, on trumpet. He recorded that, actually, in his house. And we get first with the... Karen Hill, why did you do that coaching decision of the day? Why did you do that? Why? Why did you do that, Karen? Because they would have found it, Henry. Uh, Guess what? We don't have one today. We thought about it. The coaches' decisions were mostly good today. There were some weird ones, and Doug Peterson did some weird stuff, and Jacksonville's kind of turning into Jacksonville and that type of thing, but there wasn't one that I'm screaming from the rooftop set. And I I respect Karen Hill enough to not... uh, disrespect her award by giving to someone who's not worthy. So we're not going to do that. Instead, we're going to move on to the take a lap award. That is just when you just look at somebody, oh God, get on my face, take a lap. Or as I say in flag football that we coach, go touch the fence. You, Billy, go touch the fence. They have to run across the field, touch the fence, come back, regroup, psychologically. Like, Who needs to touch the fence? We just take a lap. Did you get a load of Robbie Anderson? R-I-R-O-B-B-I-E Anderson. The Panthers are the worst team in the league. Head coach gets fired. And here's what happens. A lot of times you'll see that um, that fresh burst from a team after the coach is fired because either, A, they couldn't stand the coach at all and they want to play really well and make, it, make him look bad, or um, they just really like the interim head coach, so they play really hard for him. The Panthers weren't doing that crap. <laughs> we didn't get that game from them. I saw some people this morning on pregame shows saying, that you know, the Panthers are an interesting pick today. Sometimes you get a psychological lift. I don't think that's the case. I think Matt Rule is probably a pretty good guy. He just couldn't get it done. So there was none of that. With all due respect to interim coach Steve Wilkes, um, there was not that vibe with the Panthers today, which is why Robbie Anderson takes a lap because he was ejected mid-game by Steve Wilkes for uh, multiple sideline arguments with, I believe it was his receivers coach. (laughs) And there was one point, if you were tracking it, where you're like, Robbie Anderson has it in him, given certain things in his past, and could potentially be giving us right now, go full AB with the exit. Meaning, pads off, 
shirt off, run off the field, and wave goodbye to the crowd because he might as well. I don't, I don't, I can't imagine a way that the Carolina Panthers are going to keep him on the team after this. Uh, disgruntled already, he was already on the trade block. We'll get to the Robbie Anderson discussion should there ever need one later in the week, but he definitely gets to take a lap. Anytime you are sent to timeout, I mean, it, to go back to the flag football, I coach flag football for eight year olds, and sometimes the kid is so bad, sometimes it's my kid, and they have such a bad attitude, or they're just pouting, or they didn't get the ball. I would say, sit down on the ground right there. Go over there, and sometimes they walk off the field. And I go, no, sit down. Actually sit down on your little bottom and watch. That's basically what they did to Robbie Anderson today, who left. I had a friend of mine, I think it was the guy who run Corked Bats, who said, Robbie Anderson should check back in the game as R-O-B-B-Y Anderson and see if they'll let him play. He didn't. But Robbie Anderson is definite take-a-lap guy. Great home run hitter. Deep threat. You can't be sent off by your head coach in the middle of a game. Not even like at halftime they benched him. Walk out of here. Leave. Get off the sideline. Got to do it. Uh, next, our Phil Luckett call of the day. Remember Phil Luckett from him and his various Now That's What I Call Officiating albums, where he included uh, amongst those hits the Jerome Bettis Thanksgiving coin toss incident. Love Phil Luckett. Really good uh, in limericks that start with Nantucket. Um... Tripping is a weird penalty in the NFL. People were losing their minds because it looked like the Chiefs were going to win the game and the Bills fans were so pissed because Josh Allen got sacked by Chris Jones, but uh, we wanted a tripping call. And it's fine, and they should have called it. It was right in front of them because he stuck his leg out and Josh's shins and knees kind of fell and fell over, and you're like, oh, man. Are we going to have a week of talking about the tripping penalty? Because if the Bills lose this game because of that, I don't know if I can take every single morning going to work and being like, where are we with tripping? Tripping Twitter, are you out there? It is a little bit of an interesting deal because I would just pose this. I don't know everything. I will ask you, why is it illegal to trip? So let me get this straight. If you're engaged with a blocker and the ball carrier is running back, running past you, you can reach your arm out and tackle him. Why can't you reach your leg out? Who cares? I'm not saying you kick, but like if you were just to reach your leg out and that breaks their stride and brings them down, or even if it is like a classic, like, you know, Tom and Jerry trip, what's wrong with that? I don't see the health safety concerns. I even Google it and they said it's a, you know, it's, it's not a common penalty and anything. I just don't understand the reasoning behind that. But no, more to the case, if it is a penalty, which it is, and it's undisputable, the official's right there. And I thought we were protecting quarterbacks now. Isn't every single call around any quarterback have to be flagged? So he's right there. He stuck his leg out and tripped the quarterback with the ball. Call it. Why don't you call it? God, they're so afraid sometimes. These poor guys. And by these poor guys, sometimes I mean these annoying guys who sometimes can't do their jobs. The Phil Luckett call of the day definitely goes to the official whose name I don't even know or need to mention, but it has to do with the Chris Jones tripping call. I, I could not take a week of tripping talk. I've done already. You've done with me a couple weeks of roughing the passer talk. That at least has a more expansive conversation bedrock beneath it. But we can't talk about the tripping call. And I just don't want to review that. And thank God we didn't because the Bills won. Uh, next up, the River Craycraft Fantasy Thief Award. That's that person who just like, River Craycraft? Why does he have the touchdown? I had Tyreek Hill on my team. River Craycraft is a dude on the Dolphins. We named the award after him earlier this week. Um, what happened? We were giving it to Saquon Barkley? I thought I was giving it to somebody else. It was a guy with a cool name. Um, no, I guess not. We changed it. Saquon Barkley steals the TD from himself. I'm confused. Uh, sliding at the goal line as the Ravens try to let him score. I've always found it interesting, the let him score 
versus self-sacrifice touchdown thing. When you think of a defense letting someone score, what do you think of? Depends on how old you are, how long you've been around. I immediately think of Packers Broncos in the Super Bowl back in the 90s. It's the really it was like it was it was the moment of letting them score. Um, Terrell Davis has the ball. It's obvious the right thing to do. They're not going to stop him. And if they stop him once or twice, the clock's just going to run out. I would, and the Packers just let him score. That's my guy. There we go. Saquon, we already talked about you. You get many other awards. The River Craycraft Fantasy Thief Award goes to Rashid Shahid, whose name, God help me, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. He's for the Saints. And he is certainly, I can tell you this, his name is not pronounced Alvin Kamara. It's not even pronounced Taysom Hill if you somehow manage to start him. Rashid Shahid had a 40-40 yard, 44-yard end-around touchdown for the Saints, and I'm very pleased for him. And it's great if in other worlds and other walks of life, but not in the fantasy football world, if you care. Rashid, that name again. Rashid Shahid, 44-yard touchdown for the Saints, gets the River Craycraft Fantasy Thief Award. We welcome you, Rashid Shahid, to the River Craycraft fraternity. Moving on, one of my favorite categories every week, week six NFL action, the RIP My Dog Tony Stark player tweet of the day. RIP my dog Tony Stark, of course, what LaShawn McCoy tweeted after seeing literally the biggest movie in mankind's history and spoiled it for everybody. That goes to one of my brothers, my guy, Jason McCourty, my every single day work brother. Uh, He's talking about his actual brother, Devin McCourty, who is a uh, New England Patriot, number 32, and he beat the Browns today. Jason tweeted, this is Jason McCourty, who I work with in the morning, talking about his brother who's still on the Patriots. Jason says, the type of brother I have. He FaceTimes me after his win in Cleveland from the locker room so I could see what it's like to win a game in Cleveland. One hell of a guy he is, huh? Great job, Jay. You nailed it. If you want to follow that, Jason McCourty had a great career. I think he played 13 years in the NFL out of Rutgers, uh, day three draft pick, that type of thing. But he, my friends, was on the winless Browns team. He had one year in Cleveland and had as many wins as a Cleveland Brown as you have and I have. He is on that classic Hugh Jackson, uh, Deshaun Kaiser Browns team that did not win a game, one of, two, one of two teams to ever do it. And apparently Devin goes to Cleveland, wins in Cleveland dramatically. The Patriots looked really good today and the Browns looked kind of lost. And Devin FaceTimes his twin brother, the, the gentleman who we once shared a womb with, and says, I just wanted you to see what it looks like in Cleveland. Pretty funny there, Dev. Pretty funny. We will talk more about that on Good Morning Football tomorrow. But I am always, always amused by twin hijinks, twin humor, any sort of uh, parent trappish not tomfoolery. I'm way into it. <laughs> so uh, I'm hoping when the offseason comes that one day we'll sit down for the table at Good Morning Football and they reveal an hour into the show that it hasn't been Jason the whole time. It's actually been Devin. And he came in and we're like, whoa, you guys look exactly alike. That was funny. Love twin twin humor. Just love it. Wish I had a twin. Lyle. Kyle and Lyle. We would have a whole show. Um, so that's Devin definitely gets the Tony Stark player tweet of the day. Actually, Jason does. Uh, and here we go. Line of the week. We like to pull from the collection of 1980s one-liners, Sly Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger. It was not enough to slit someone's throat or blow them away with a machine gun back then. You had to have a cool, quippy line afterwards, such as in one of my favorite movies ever made. It's called The Running Man. It is a... Stephen King adaptation in only the loosest sense of the word. It resembles almost nothing about the book. But uh, at one point, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character, Ben Richards, is fighting in a 
pseudo-futuristic hockey rink against a gladiator named Sub-Zero. Sub-Zero has hockey pucks that are bombs that he hits at you. He's in goalie gear. He has a goalie stick with knives on it, and he's got various other weapons. And he is made to slaughter Ben Richards for sport and for gambling on a live TV show in the not-too-distant future. Turns out, Ben Richards has a few tricks up his sleeve. He slits uh, Sub-Zero's throat with some barbed wire that he pulled down from the enclosure. And he then turns to the camera and um, speaks to the host of the show, played by the late Richard Dawson, uh, Richard Killian, and says, um, you thought Plane Zero was gonna kill me? Well, I got a message for you. Hey, Killian! Here is Sub-Zero! Now, Plane Zero! And that's how you do it. That's how you make the donuts back then. I don't know if it was uh, uh, David Mamet wrote the screenplay for that, or maybe it was a young, ambitious Aaron Sorkin. But did you see what Schwarzenegger did then? He's got this dead gladiator. He says, here is Sub-Zero. Now, Plane Zero! You just can't beat that delivery. He nails the joke with the comedic timing that only Arnold could pull off, because now he's just Zero, Plane Zero. It's an awful line. Even as a kid, I didn't even know what he was talking about. But now I do. And the here is Sub-Zero, now Plane Zero line of the week. That goes to like the best soundbite from one of the games today. Oh man, this guy had a day. Jets first round pick, Sauce Gardner, defensive back. He beat the Packers with the rest of his teammates. Wore a cheese head, classic triangular cheese head. As he walked off the field, he was really like kind of just enjoying himself, going around Lambo, young kid, got a cheese head on. And Alan Lazard, the Packers wideout, came and knocked it off afterwards. Just knocked it right off his head. After the game, Lazard kind of diffused it. Ah, I like him, but, you know, whatever. And then um, Sauce Gardner was asked about Robert Sala's message to the team against this game in Green Bay. They chose us. You know, um, when you go play foot, when you go play in London, you can pick if you want to a bye week right after or you can pick, you know, what team you want to play. And they picked they picked us, so you know they thought they was gonna get the same old Jets, but you know we came out there today and dominated. How about Sauce? Strong take, <laughs> measured, uh, really delivered, kind of ice cold. I'm I'm into it. It's that old thinking. That's the one he's tapping into. Is that you never want to be another team's homecoming game. I don't care if it's high school or whatever. The homecoming game is supposed to be a celebration. You can't have a celebration that's really that good if you lose the game. So you want to make sure that you bring in somebody that you can beat for homecoming. We would always have like Zion Benton or North Chicago and we were able to beat them. But I, I wonder, you know, Sauce put the cheese hat on and was kind of doing a dance. Are people in Wisconsin triggered by this? Is this blasphemous? Is this uh, their equivalent of thumbs down? I really hope it's not. I, I, I hope it's not because the entire point of those cheese heads it's ridiculous, and you guys do it because it's ridiculous. And maybe he's not mocking you. You guys are mocking yourself, really, right? It's it's a thing that you put on because you know it's foolish and silly and fun, and you cheese heads and you celebrate it. The guy's a young guy. He wanted to put on the cheese head. I can't even blame him. From what I understand, the things are very comfortable too. I don't think I've ever worn one. I, I actually I, I like it. It's I'm reminded of. I remember years ago, I think it was Lendale White young running back for the Titans, and they were playing the Steelers, and there was a shot of him, or maybe, wait, did TJ Hushmanzada did it? Maybe both of them did. And they got the terrible towel, 
and they were like shining their own shoes with it and wiping their cleats and the Steelers fans were so mad. You can't do that to the towel. I think Sauce just like, you know what? I've watched a lot of football growing up. I've watched a lot of Aaron Rodgers. I've always seen those cheese heads. I kind of want to put one on. It wasn't like he ran around and, you know, stomped on hers. He wore it. Wearing a giant head of cheese is really fun. I think, I, I hope you guys are not triggered by that. I have a feeling that I grew up spending a lot of time in Wisconsin. You guys are great. You don't take yourself too seriously. I would think that you're like, you get it. I, I would want to put one of those on too, sure. Uh, so he definitely gets the line of the week though. The Jets are just awesome. I love it. How many times have I said that in my life? The Jets are awesome. I'll probably say it next week. Next though, we got to move on. Let me go to my very sophisticated soundboard. We have to do, uh-oh, where is the Steve Latimer sound? There it is. We have to do the Steve Latimer place at the table team. Starting defense, place at the table. This is the team that proved uh, it belongs. Also, I want to also, I'm thinking about changing this to the Titans team that no one cares about. I've said this many times about the Titans. They're always really quality, but when you talk about them here or on TV or anywhere, it's, it's just crickets. No one wants to hear about the Titans. So on that, on that point, let's go to the place at the table slash no one wants to hear about you team, which is the Atlanta Falcons, guys. You hear the crickets? I have actual cricket sound effects. The Falcons beat the 49ers soundly. The 49ers have a lot of injuries, and that's the, you know, that's the, the next note of the 49ers loss. Is, uh, injuries, injuries, fine. Falcons beat them. The Falcons are 3-3. Three and three. They play this kind of cool brand of football. And isn't it perfect that I'm talking about them as the Falcons no one wants to hear about, much in like the Titans no one wants to hear about. And their quarterback is Marcus Mariota, the former Titan, the number two overall pick for the Titans. There might be something uh, connective there. But remember, the, the Falcons last week, were absolutely robbed. They got robbed on the Grady Jarrett call, the one that started the entire week of roughing the passer stuff. And so they would have beat the Bucks, I think. Who knows? They had all the momentum in that game, but they would have had at least an opportunity to do it. They could have been, this could have been the, like the, the hangover week. Screw it, we lost to Tampa, and now we'll just get our doors blown off by 49ers. No, they beat them. They beat them soundly. They looked really good. And quietly, I know no one wants to hear about it. I know no one's interested in hearing about the Falcons outside of Atlanta. They're pretty good, and they play well, and they play defense, and there's a lot of guys you haven't talked about, heard about. Schrager always talks about this on Good Morning Football, and I'm just going to keep talking. I'm going to keep talking Falcons over the crickets. They have like four different running backs. None of them are superstars. They all run hard. They run well. Mariota's got this gritty old man thing going. He's, I don't know how old he is. He's probably 28, but he plays like one, and I like the Falcons, and I'm just going to I'm gonna do tomorrow's show a 60-minute episode just about the Falcons, and I'll keep hitting the, the crickets. I don't care. Place at the table team, which is now going to be maybe called the cricket team, Atlanta Falcons. Next, someplace you don't want to be. Uh-oh. The uh, Catherine Martin, it rubs the lotion on its skin award, which is just the team that is just in a miserable uh, murderer's basement. Guy goes like this. It rubs the lotion on its skin. It does this whenever it's told. I, I, I try to like the Cardinals. That's another cricket team too. But even worse than the cricket team is the the Buffalo Bills basement team. The Cardinals are two and four. They just lost to the Seahawks. Kyler just kind of did nothing. Not really. They, he didn't do the superhero thing at the end where he runs around for 600 yards and gets a two-point conversion. I really like Steve Kahn. I like a lot about Cliff. I think the Kyler thing is something that would be fun if it ever took off. But I, I, I say the same theory about Kyler all the time. If he had a power switch with the different 10 levels, like this is the kind of game he's going to play today, you get the like the 9 Kyler game, maybe even we've gotten the 10 before. 
and then there's an eight, and then there's a three, and a two and a one. I don't think Kyler has a six or seven even on his thing. He's an, he, I don't know if he's capable of playing a seven out of 10 game or a B game. It's, it's like A plus, A minus, or D. And today I think it was on the low end. It's just, it's just not there. And he makes so much money and he's the future. And like, I don't know, man. I know he's still a pretty young player, but we keep waiting. This is not his first year. This is not his second year. We've been in this thing a while now. They're two and four. DeAndre Hopkins gets back next week. I guess that's a reason to look up, but there's just not that much to like right now. I just, I'm not into it. Um, his play really fell off last year when DeAndre left, when DeAndre got hurt. So maybe him bringing back all of a sudden Kyler will go back up to the eight. But sometimes you got to play the seven or six game and win. It happens a lot. You know, Mahomes didn't have his best game today, but they were still right in it at the end. You know, he was still close with maybe the best team in football. You, you can't. Can't just wait on the nines because the, the quarterbacks don't have nines every week. Got to develop the seven and six game. I don't know. There's just not much to like. And DeAndre coming back is this rare glint of hope, like Clarice Starling coming down in the basement with a revolver, and maybe she can save Captain Martin. We'll find out. In the meantime, all we can do is look to the future. We'll do the Monday Take Buffet, my friends. You know how it goes. Give me an assembly line. Hot takes all day long. What are they talking about Monday morning on the Talking Head programs, of which I work on one? Um, Bailey Zappy, anybody? How did I get this far into the program without mentioning Bailey Zappy, which sounds like two brothers, but it's actually one person. Bailey Zappy. It should be the sweet life of Bailey and Zappy. No, it's just the sweet life of Bailey Zappy. Looks really good. <laughs> I keep getting all these factoids. I'm not usually a factoid guy, but I saw something along the lines of the first quarterback to win both the starts of his career as a rookie with a 100-plus passer rating, blah, 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 blah. It's Bailey Zappi and then somebody else back in the 50s. He looked good today. He really did. And so the conversation becomes, it's sort of this um, cousin conversation to the Cooper Rush deck Prescott, which will either take off or come crashing down depending on what happens in the Sunday night game. The start Bailey over Mac Jones thing, that's coming. The NFC East, best division in the NFL. The takes were already out that the NFC East is the, what the AFC West was supposed to be. Now we might go even further, especially depending on Eagles-Cowboys go. But come on, Giants are doing their job. Uh, blow up the Packers? What? Uh, the Rodgers thing, I don't know. I already saw people joking about what could, I think it was Bill Simmons was saying, what could the Packers get in a trade for Rodgers right now? I don't know. Who the hell knows even what Rodgers is going to do moving forward? I did read an interesting thing that if he were to retire after this season, he would completely screw the Packers contractually and they'd be on the hook for a lot of money. I don't know. Uh, the Packers takes are coming, though, fast. The Jets are this year's Bengals. That one's tasty as hell. That is the team, specifically in the AFC, with a second-year quarterback who makes a meteoric rise and just goes all the way, way further than anybody thinks they can. Um, Zach Wilson's going to have to play better. You're gonna have to, he's coming along. He's not playing bad. But if you're going to be this year's Bengals, like Burrow was insane last year down the stretch. We need a little bit more from Zach Wilson. I love everything they got going, but like we're going to get to this year's Bengals. Because I don't know if, I don't think I see Jamar Chase out there. We'll see. But I do like the take. The Falcons are the best team in the NFC South. You know me. Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to produce this properly. Let me just tell you about the Falcons. Great running game. Fundamentally sound. 
unsexy but effective head coach. Did I mention to you they got screwed on the Grady Jarrett penalty last week? I'm just going to keep talking Falcons. It's going to become a Falcons show. Give me a Reddit thread on the Falcons. They're coming. Tom Brady and the Bucks will miss the playoffs. You know, we're almost to the point, two more weeks, and we did an experiment preseason where I bottled up everybody's takes in a literal wine bottle to see how they age. And we said after week eight, I think we said, we're almost there. My prediction was that Tom Brady was not going to finish the season. And I don't mean injury-wise. I mean, like, he's going to retire. So I don't, who knows? I took my shot. We'll see. It's not going great. This is Bill Belichick's most impressive season. They had a good week. It's not been a great run before this, but there'll be Belichick takes too. Everybody always like points to the Matt Castle season when Brady got hurt. I tell you this, I've never seen Belichick happier. He's so loosey-goosey. I think he really likes this team. I think there's something about it where, I don't know, like you have to work really hard and I think he likes the people on it, but like they run a lot and they play some D and sometimes they get messed up, but other times I think he likes this team. Maybe it's just like a throwback to his younger years. I think he really likes it. He, He just seems happier than ever. Geno Smith is the best quarterback in the NFC West. That could be coming. I don't even know if that's a bad take. The Seahawks will win the NFC West. Now, that would be fun. There won't be a lot of Seahawks tomorrow, but let me tell you something. When you turn on the first takes and the get-ups, good morning footballs, Falcons talk. I want non-stop Falcons talk. You better be talking Mariota. You better be talking Arthur Smith. I want them all. If you're a football fan, talk Falcons. I don't know what it is about them, but they're 3-3 and and I like them. Guys, thank you for joining me. I'm totally dehydrated, still a little bit hungover. I think I gained 12 pounds over the last three days. Just bloated. Just bloated like a fat pig. And I'm really going to have to drink a lot of water over the next week. But thank you for joining me. We'll do Cowboy Rants Basement tomorrow, right here, Monday. And then Josh Allen will be coming in Tuesday. How about this? The front writer from the MVP will be coming in Tuesday, as he has each and every week with his thoughts on the game. And also his review of 1987's The Princess Bride, which he has never seen before, but we assigned him. That's it. I'm out of here. I'm out of darts. I'm out of takes. I will see you Monday at Cowboy Rants Basement. Enjoy, guys.